Oh, I had something else I was going to talk about. Uh, oh, I know what it is. Yay for sweetie. Write it down. Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 375, which I think are all prime numbers. Oh, boy. Which is really important. <laughs> I feel like Harry Carey, because Harry Carey used to spell uh, players' names backwards. Yeah, for For fun. no reason whatsoever. Like, who cares if it's a prime number? I don't know. Me and Harry Carey. That's why I laugh, because we start, and I think we're going in like a new direction, and Todd likes to kick it back old school old school why listen to zen parenting radio because you'll feel outstanding and who does want to feel outstanding and always remember our motto which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is what a parent's self-understanding on today's show i have a few of my quick takes i have one too you have a quick take yes um and then i'm going to talk about being busy and then a little blog don't get worried because you're always like oh is this too much they're they're quick and uh, some I read on the Wall Street Journal. Some senator from Nebraska wrote something. And then I have something. And you have something. Mm-hmm. What's the it's topic? It's about anxiety. Ooh. I know. I'm going to just kind of tease it. Makes me a little it. anxious. Makes me a little anxious, this discussion about anxiety. Um, and we might do some movie quotes. Who knows? Maybe. Um, quick takes. You ready? I played a video for you and my family yesterday, and I just want to... Me and... Your sister and the girls. Right. And I'm actually going to pull up this YouTube clip. Um, There was a hockey game that took place in Edmonton. Do you know where Edmonton is, sweetheart? No. Do you know what country Edmonton is in? Uh, Canada. Very good. Thank you. Very good. And the guy, whoever the the singer was to uh, sing both national anthems. So they were going to sing O Canada. Right, and I think they already sang O Canada. Oh no, O Canada was actually second. So that what they start is they start with the visiting anthem first, so they which start is with the United States national anthem, which is called the Star Spangled Banner, also known as the United States national anthem. But there was a problem, sweetheart. What happened? Uh, there was a problem with the PA system. Oh, so the singer, he's some country dude. I should know who it is, but I don't. Yeah, and. He didn't know what to do, so he started singing. So what you're saying, the PA broke, so the microphone didn't work. Correct. Okay, so he started to sing. Nobody could hear him. Nobody could hear him, so he he just started kind of waving to the crowd saying... Help me sing. Help me sing. So the Canadians sang from the beginning of our anthem to the end of our anthem... Our anthem. Oh, and, and it made me tear up. I actually didn't know where you were going when you were talking about a hockey game, but now I right. know exactly what you're talking about, and it made me tear up. Yes, and because the as much as I love our country, as much as I love the United States of America, which is where I was born and raised and have pride in, I don't think that if the tables were switched that the same thing would happen. Meaning if the that a crowd at a hockey game would sing Oh Canada. Yeah, even if we knew all the words, which most of us don't, uh-huh. I don't think, I think we're too egoic. I think we're, we have a superiority complex mm. over the Canadians, mm. which is unfair because I think there's certain things that Canada is doing that we need to follow in their footsteps, Justin Trudeau. That to, is your, connect. you like him, yes. I love him and I just think that the whole Canadian kind of philosophy is one that I think we need to embrace. Well, and how about this? It's not about saying one's better than the other. Obviously, we are blessed to live in the country we live in and have a ton of pride. All it is is recognizing that there was this opportunity for this crowd to pitch in Mm -hmm. and they were willing and didn't have an issue with, we're going to sing someone else's national anthem. They did it with a sense of uh, connection and a sense of willingness to help. So it's not about... It's, it's not about the deeper meaning of which anthem do you like better or which country do you like better. That's not what Well, it is. and I feel like it's, uh, I feel like the Canadians are, it's built into our culture is not of us not having much of an interest or we just don't hold them in as high of regard as they deserve. Yet, assuming they do feel that way, that they hold, they are, they are kind to us. They're yeah. kind back to us. Mm-hmm. So out of respect for the Canadians out there. Standing to join Canadian country recording artist Brett Kissel in the singing of the American National Anthem. Wait, but I can hear him. 
Hey! We can hear him, but the crowd can't. Uh, the PA. Oh, so. of time we won't go through the whole thing but it's kind of cool they pan to all the players and it's all these Edmonton fans are wearing their Oiler jerseys and singing along it's crazy <laughs> not planned it just kind of happens I think that's beautiful right thank you Canada there's only 30 seconds A tough situation, pretty darn good. Pretty beautiful. So hats off to, what was his name? Uh, Brent Kissel, I think they the, said. And he's a Canadian singer. Yeah. So, yeah. I think he, he's a Canadian country singer. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So anyways, hats off to all our Canadian friends up north. Yes. So um, I want to talk about how I just got triggered this morning of people saying they're busy to me. Yes, 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 yes. Is this a quick take? Yeah. Or is, are you diving in because I got a quick take? Well, you start with your quick take, and then we'll start about me getting mad yeah, at the I think world for busy. <laughs> I think busy is like the core. But so I was listening to a podcast, of course. It's um, Sam Jones, which I've talked about before. Um, what's it called? Off Camera with Sam Jones. And he interviewed Colin Hanks. Did you listen to it? I did not. Okay, Colin Hanks, you guys may know, he's an actor. He was in Fargo, and he was um, Fargo on TV, not the movie. And he is obviously Tom Hanks' son, okay? You know, which I, I, I want to like give him the space to just be Colin Hanks, but right. it's kind of like like the elephant in the room, yeah, right? Yeah, the first question is, is it Tom Hanks' son? Yeah. And it is. And he, he talked about that in the interview, which is interesting. But one of the things he said that I can't even remember how he approached it or what happened beforehand, but he said one of the things that he's learned, because he's in his 30s, mm-hmm. so he's in his mid-30s, is that what he used to do when he was a young actor or young guy is when people would ask him if he knew something, he would just think that he should say yes, right? right? Because a few things. Number one, you want to seem professional and you want to seem like you know what you're talking about. Number two, you just it's a cool factor right. thing. Like, oh, I know what you're talking about. He said, one of the biggest things that I've learned is when somebody says to me, hey, do you know this band? I say, no, I don't. I've never heard of it. Tell right. me about it. And I know that sounds like big deal. Yeah. But- I'm telling you, you guys, and he used that as an example, like, do you know this band? It could be anything. Have you watched this show? Have mm-hmm. you seen this movie? I think that can be one of the most freeing things in the world is when somebody says, do you know this or have you seen this? I think we all, and I'm including myself in this, right. what I find myself doing a lot of the time is I'll explain, I haven't seen it, but I've read about mm-hmm. it. You know, I've watched something about it. I've seen this actor before, or maybe if it's a band, oh, I know a band similar. We're always trying to like make sure they know that we know something. I totally hear what you're saying. And if we just say, no, I haven't, tell me about it. Right. There's such a freedom. And and let's take it to work. If someone at work says, have you ever done this before? And you haven't, say no. So why do we as human beings typically like to um, at least try to create an appearance, whether it's true or false, that we do at least know a little bit about whatever it is that's being presented to us. I think I'll speak for myself. I think part of it is ego Mm -hmm. and part of it is like you may know a little bit about it or maybe you've heard their name or maybe... So you want them to know you're not completely out of the loop. Right. But the truth is the the question that was asked, have you seen this? Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. And that can be a final answer where then that gives that person an opportunity to to share with you. And it also, this is what I think is most important. It takes you off the hook of needing to keep up appearances. I think, you know, again, it's a, we always say this show is about taking off layers. Quit thinking you need to have your hands in everything. Kathy, I'll talk to myself. You know, like, why not just say, 
No. And let someone else tell you about it. Maybe after they're done, you can say, you know what? Interesting, because I had read about it, but now I know more about it. Like, let them tell you. Or have you read this book? People always say that to me, and maybe I read a review or I know the author. And instead, I just want to say no, because then I can be more of an empty cup. Remember talking about an empty cup? What is an empty cup? Empty cup just means that quit being so full of information that there's no space for you to take in anything new. Like, you know, allow some of that to come out, like that liquid to come out of your cup. And so you have some space for some new liquid. Who is the name of the um, character that Kirsten Wig, Kristen Wig plays? She's kind of a know-it-all. Penelope. Is that what it is? Yes. I got to find a clip of her. <laughs> you know, what's so funny is that you're going to have to play two clips now. You're okay. going to have to play this. And then I was going to say after the national anthem from the Canadians, I was going to have you play Don't Make Me Sing. Okay. Bob, you were talking about some of the anger issues you were having with your neighbor. Yeah, it is getting worse. Uh, last night, he was playing the drums until one in the morning, and I found myself getting really angry and standing in my hallway holding a golf club ready to just... I got really angry at my neighbor, too, once. I was standing in a really big hallway, and I was holding a golf cart. <laughs> Tiger Woods was sitting in it. He told me I was pretty, and he's at my house right now. He's cleaning. I'm sorry, Penelope? Um, we don't allow crosstalk at this meeting. Thank you. Go ahead, Bob. Thank you, Dr. Hamill. Yes, thank you, Dr. Hamill. <laughs> Thanks to all the doctors in the world. Oh, Dr. Hamill? I'm finding her very distracting. Yeah, I really think I want to punch her in the face. <laughs> all right, everyone, let's just take a deep breath. I already took two breaths, too. I can breathe so deep that I can move furniture with my breath, so I rearranged my whole house that way. Penelope. Penelope. That's good stuff. I know. I love um, And then who else? The Don't Make Me Sing? Don't Make Me Sing. So Who's Don't Make Me Sing? It's also Kristen Wiig. And the first time they did it, it was Kristen Wiig and John Hamm on SNL. And basically, it's just this character who wants to sing, mm. but she says that everybody else is making her sing. It's kind of a joke in our family. We I'm say it all the time. a little nervous that the audio might not be that good, but we're going to give it a try anyways. Let's do it. Sing. All right, I guess I could play one song. And Lilia, may I? I could sing one, I guess. Yes, I can. Oh, don't make me sing. Really, I could just play if you'd rather. Well, I don't have a choice. They're making me sing. Are you sure you want to make me sing, everybody in the room? Do you want to sing? I guess I have to now, right? Right? You're making me sing. Ooh, I like that song. Don't make me sing. Don't make me sing. We say that a lot. Don't we make we? we say it all the time. I have no choice. I have no choice. So yes, I kind of agree with Colin Hanks, and I I think we all do that. Yes. So first step is awareness. Right. Realize what we're doing and why we're doing it. And why we're doing it. Because there's this feeling of again that we're trying that we're almost in competition with the other person about how much we know, <laughs> and right away, like Penelope, like Penelope, and right away that sets us in like you know like against each other versus the openness is tell me something, tell me something new. And then once you've told me, there's still space to add. You don't, again, because I talk to women all the time about showing up and speaking up, it doesn't mean that you mute yourself and you you don't say what you know. Mm -hmm. It just means give that person an opportunity to share and then you can share. Right. And I think that keeps us honest. Yeah. And I don't just mean honest like, you know, telling the truth in one situation. I mean, internally honest, because otherwise I feel I end up, I'm sharing, I'm sharing this because I, I tend to do this sometimes and it drives me crazy about myself. And we overcompensate yeah. for, you know, it's really kind of a, a not a self-loathing, but it's like, we don't think we're enough. So we got to pretend yes. that we're something more. So I'll walk out of a situation. This just happened like last week and I'll walk out and I'll go, okay, why didn't I just say, no, I didn't know that right. instead of let me explain why I pretty much know it mm -hmm. just and then let go well and the and the important thing is to do it early on so yes. what i mean is i've been working for the same company for 23 years wonderful company called jpi and uh, i'm better at this but i've been working for this company so long there are things when i'm in the course of a of a presentation that i should know that i don't that right. i don't know and I should have said like 20 years ago, oh, I don't know what that is. Yes. But because I've been doing it so long, I've been putting on this facade and I say, I go along with it some of the times. Instead yes. of saying, I don't know, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that. And I don't know it. 
I could be more I could be more informed if I just admitted to myself and whoever I was with. I don't know. Please help me understand. But I don't want to be seen as somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. Yes. So I totally like BS my way through it, and it's just, and I think I'm doing it to protect myself when actually it pulls me down. And interesting that you would say with your company that you've been with for so many years, because the truth is nobody could really argue that you don't know what you're talking about in that job. It's been how you know right. that many years, and it can be kind of fun. I kind of feel like everything in life is like a circle or a cycle and you're starting something. And usually when you're starting something is when you have to convince everybody that you know everything. Like, you know, when people are first getting into something, if it be, you know, whatever work, you know, job, um, they are trying to convince everybody how much they know. And then you kind of get in the middle of it and you start to have some peers and some, you know, people where maybe you're a little more apt to listen. But when you come back around, you realize it doesn't matter that much. Like one thing that I'm getting so much better at, it's just been the last couple of years is a lot of people always ask me because I've trained as a therapist or I've trained as a coach and they'll be like, what theory do you mm-hmm. like, you know, subscribe yeah, what, to? Stuff, what do you, right. ta- and I'm like, I don't even remember theories. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys, I can go back in a book and there's some I work with very closely, you know, cognitive therapy and uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and that kind of thing. But I have to like to remember what they all mean. I have to go back. I'm not, I don't, I'm not, a, this job is not about academic and about reciting theory. It's about a much more intuitive right. skill set. So I've gotten better about saying, they'll say, you know, people will say, what do you think about this theory? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't Either remember. tell me what it is or remind me because exactly. I have since forgotten. And then sometimes they tell me and I go, absolutely, I use that. Yeah. But maybe I don't know what the terminology is. And and again, those of you in the spiritual or coaching world, you guys know how that goes. Like there's so much terminology and jargon and sometimes it's fun to drop it yep. and just you know, let it go a little bit. Have a beginner's mind. Yeah. So, okay. So that was my um, quick take. I don't know what, it's your first entry into the quick take, sweetie. Well, it looks like it's here to stay. Well, no, it just like everything else, everything comes and goes. Uh, All right. All right. So uh, we were talking, I don't remember what we were talking about or who we were talking to, but uh, somebody brought something up and, you know, it's, I guess it's more about excuses and this is kind of just me putting my judgment hat on for a second. But when people say they're, oh, just, how come you didn't do that? I'm just so busy. Like mm-hmm. I I am at the point in my life and I might go back to the way I would kind of buy people's excuses and my own excuses that people are too busy, but everybody's busy. Even if you're watching TV on the couch, you're busy doing watching TV on the couch. And when somebody tells me that they can't do it because or they didn't do it. Like it, it's all about if they made a commitment, like I will do this, uh, but I, I didn't get to because it was too busy. Yes. Then it's one thing to say, hey, can you do this? No, I can't do it mm-hmm. because I'm too busy. That doesn't bother me as much. But when somebody agrees to do something and then doesn't do it, but then uses traffic or I'm too busy, just like excuses in general, they um, trigger me more than they ever have. Now, interesting that person, like say someone's late and they say it's because of traffic. If they show up late and they say traffic was bad, I didn't leave early enough. You guys, I no dropped the ball. Problem. Then no problem. So it's not really about the being late. Right. It's about the blaming something else. I remember being in an airport line one time and this is when security lines are actually a lot shorter now than they were say five years ago. They just kind of have figured it out in my opinion. And, but I was in front of a man and he was, it was obvious he was going to miss his flight. And there was a couple of people in front of me because the line was exceptionally long and everybody in the crowd, I like, I don't, I don't gripe out loud, but I kind of gripe, oh, this, this line should be shorter. These people should be moving under along your quicker under mm-hmm. my breath. I won't say, but then you, there's always people out there that say, this is ridiculous and like stomping their, their fist on the whatever. And then this one man, uh, you know, the security person said, you know, really sorry about the long lines. And he's like, you know what, if I would have left earlier, I would have made my flight. Wow, 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 wow. And, you know, that personal happened. responsibility. He took personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. So, my invitation to myself and anybody listening is even I, I was, I got on a soapbox with our three daughters and I said, listen, everything that happens to, well, not everything, most things that happen to, to us in our life, we play some kind of role, have in it. some kind of role. Now, there are probably exceptions that somebody can come up with, but I said to the girls, I said, girls, if a bird poops on your head, take responsibility for it. Like, 
I, you could have left earlier. You could have left later. You could have put a hat on. Now, that's kind of a silly example, but I was trying to come up with a silly example to say, because we can always justify a reason why we're late mm-hmm. or why we didn't do something. Um, well, let's talk about the bird pooping on your head for a second. It's not take responsibility that the bird pooped on your head, but, oh, because I was standing here yeah. and that bird is there, he pooped on my head. That's not taking blame right? because there's this place in the middle where it's personal responsibility does not mean it's all my fault because see the thing is Todd is this is interesting a male woman this is a gender thing Mm -hmm. because I think that traditionally or stereotypically men don't take as much blame for things unfortunately stereotypically women do oh yeah they take the blame for things that they had nothing nothing to do do with with. so this is why I have to kind of balance this is that you know if we start to say you know if a woman who's already shaming herself and blaming herself for everything is like okay that bird pooped on me it's my fault right what you're just explaining to them is it's a practice in recognizing your role in the situation i am standing here mm-hmm. that bird is up in a tree mm-hmm. therefore the poop landed on my head right yeah it's just a, it's just an ownership of everything that goes on in our lives because I think everything that happens to us is an opportunity for us to learn from it. Yeah. Now, there's times when I am not in a place where I want any lesson to come to me and mm-hmm. I get mad and triggered. Uh, but I'm trying to practice the idea of, okay, there, you know, we have a goal, 10,000 uh, 10, podca- uh, downloads per podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, ah, I just wish... Uh, I wish more would listen and how come people aren't listening and all that. <laughs> Which is a funny thing to say because 8,000 people are. Right. You're also looking at a half right. glass. And I'm like, how yeah. come more people aren't listening? And and I used to be like, well, I wish that people would be more open to learning about Zen parenting. But right. really, I need to take responsibility. The reason that 8,000 people listen to us per podcast is because that's the, the house that you and I have created. Yeah. And if we want to get to 10,000, whatever number it is that we have put down there, it's our responsibility to do that. And sometimes that's with um, openness and organic marketing. And other times it's through, um, you know, more practical steps. And that's something that you and I always have a right. Because what I do know is that I agree, like just using that example, the 10,000 downloads, I do believe that that has nothing to do. I'm not blaming anyone or anything that has everything to do with us. And to your point, that's the house that we built. I'm cool with that. Yeah, right. Meaning 8,000 is fine with me. Right. Now, the, so it's not like there, if you can accept where you are and be grateful for where you are, right. then it's much easier to be like, hey, what else is available? Right. And so that's a starting point. That's a personal responsibility starting point too, because that's a gratitude starting mm-hmm. point. It's like things are actually fantastic. Right. Now, Interestingly, things could be get even more interesting or we could have more opportunities or or help people, you know, we had a friend over the other night who was really trying to help us see things or me probably because you already see it this way from a different perspective of don't look at this as your work or your business, look at this as helping people. Right. And if you look at it through that lens, then I would say having more people listen is an opportunity to help more people or right. support people if that's a better word than help. Sure. Um so I totally agree with you. I think what frustrates you, if I'm going to speak for you for a second, is that because you practice and work hard to take responsibility, when you recognize that somebody else isn't, and it's so transparent, it can be really triggering because you, in your you know, majority of the time are trying to demonstrate something that other people aren't reciprocating. Correct. And you are also kind of a timely kind of guy. I love being on time. I know. He likes it when people are on time. Sometimes, I wouldn't say to a fault. That's not the right word, but sometimes self-sacrificing. Yeah, it's a little too much. Oops, sorry about that. Um, So, you know, and, and I agree. Like, the thing is, is that it's like the paradox we talked about last week. It doesn't mean you can't say traffic was bad. Right. Traffic is bad. But you can also say, like that guy at the airport said, if I would have left a little earlier, I wouldn't have had to deal with this crazy traffic, but I did. Because I think a lot of times we want to dump our decision-making on the person that we let down. Correct. Like we want to say, well, I'm really late, but you would have been late too. Right. And you need to understand me versus I need to take responsibility for my behavior. Correct. And if we are honest about that, if we show up kind of like the Colin Hanks thing and we just say, you know, it's kind of a little bit different than saying, I don't know this band, but if we just have an empty enough cup Mm -hmm. that we're like, you know what? I was late and maybe I need to figure out a new route or maybe I need that. Then the person 
that we're talking with is going to be a lot less irritated with us. Yeah. I can guarantee it. Like I said, your you know your situation. If someone's late, you don't you're not really hard on them unless they don't acknowledge. If they're passing the buck. Yes. Yeah. Own your part of it. Doesn't mean own all of right. it. Right. Own it, your part. It doesn't mean don't share your story. Sure. Like I have students. Um, my semester for at Dominican is over, but my college students. One of my biggest thing is. Um, if you're going to be late, at least let me know why mm -hmm. and take responsibility. And I love it because now I get hilarious emails like, I was up until two. I didn't set my alarm. Mm -hmm. They're like brutally honest with me now. And I dig it. Right. It doesn't mean that they don't have Instead a consequence. Instead of the dog ate the homework. Totally. Yeah. Instead of you didn't tell me or I didn't. It's They're just like, this is what happened. And they take full responsibility. And like I said, they still miss the class. I don't say, okay, now that you told me, but... Yeah, there's still repercussions or, you know, consequences to sure, missing. But at least we're honest mm -hmm. and they don't have to cover up an old lie, Yeah, you know, like, oh, I thought you had to do that that day. Oh, no. You know, so honesty. All right. Very good. So um, our first partner is canvaspeople.com. We love them. Uh, what they do is they have a website and what you do is you take your favorite photo memories and turn them into beautiful artwork. And instead of it just being lost on your phone or on your laptop, you know, do something with it. So this is the deal that they've offered us. Go to canvaspeople.com. And when you're doing your checkout, get the 11 by 14 size. I think you put 8 by 10, 8 by 11. I switched it. Oh, you switched it. On okay. Facebook. So Good. it's 11 by 14. And if you put in the coupon code ZEN, Z-E-N, it goes from 60 bucks per piece down to zero. You just wow. pay for shipping. So you can't beat it. Um, coupon code is Zen and it's canvaspeople.com. We got the beautiful artwork that our daughter took uh, some photography of and we have it in her room. I just need to put it back up. She took a picture yes. of a waterfall in Seattle and then had it made into a canvas. Yeah, it's just a quick, easy way of doing it. So anyways, canvaspeople.com, coupon code Zen. Check it out. So let's jump into what your thing is. Well, before we say that, today is Tuesday, May 9th, I believe, um, and this the, when the show is coming out. And tomorrow we start Zen Talks. Oh, yeah. And for those of you who don't know what it is, basically it's a, it's a subscription to, to Zen Talks. And what that is is it's three extra podcasts a month, video podcasts, though, because they're actually live. Um, and our first one is on Wednesday, May 10th at noon Central Time. We're in Chicago. If you can't make the live talk, we are going to email the the whole you know video podcast to you, so you don't have to be on the live talk. But mm -hmm. it's kind of fun. Yeah. We also, um, I also want to say that you know we decided we're just trying something new, so we're going to start with self awareness. But the truth is, I'd much rather answer your questions. So those of you who have already subscribed, email me if you have a specific question. You can ask it live, but if you want to guarantee that we answer it, email it to me, Kathy at zenparentingradio.com. If you haven't subscribed yet, go to zenparentingradio.com. Click on events. It's easy. It's right there. You um, Again, it's a subscription, so it continues on. Um, but if you decide that it's not working for you, you can always unsubscribe. Opt out at any time. Opt out at any time. So that's the deal. And we don't really know what we're going to do with this. We, we want to spend more time with our listeners and give our listeners who want more time with us the ability to do that. And give you guys more resources and references. Like I've been you know, sending some emails to the people who have subscribed with some book ideas and that kind of thing because... You know, um, I just, like Todd said, we just want to have more of an interaction, um, you know, because the podcast is one way, but then these Zen Talks will hopefully be even a little and more personal. And did we say it's 25 bucks a month? Oh, yes. 25 bucks a month is the, is the subscription fee. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So that starts tomorrow. So what uh, what clip do you want to so, add? Well, it's not, it's, what it is, is I'm actually reading uh, Sheryl Sandberg's book called Option B, and I'm not done yet, so I don't want to have a whole show on it yet because okay. it's really good and it's about grief and... I'm really relating to it a ton, and I just think it's so well done, as was Lean In, and as is Sheryl Sandberg's just a interesting, wonderful person. So to me. Um, Not everybody knows who she is. Oh, I'm sorry. Sheryl Sandberg is the uh, CEO of Facebook. And the reason she wrote a book called Option B is because unfortunately, two years ago, her husband, Dave Goldberg, who was the CEO of SurveyMonkey, um, he died. Mm. Very suddenly, suddenly, yeah. like had a heart arrhythmia Younger thing. Younger guy, right? Yeah, he was our age. Yeah. Um, it was very sudden. They have two young kids. It was devastating. Yeah. And she's still in the middle of grief. It's not like now she's good. She just had to, over these last two years, she just learned so much about what's helpful when someone's grieving and what 
is not helpful. And also research-wise, what can help, what we can do self-awareness-wise to be more good to ourselves while we're grieving instead of be, um, you know, so self-depreciating or I shouldn't feel this way or I shouldn't be so needy to be more self-compassionate. So again, I'd like to talk about that at a later time. Today, what I wanted to talk about was one thing that she had in the book that I thought was so interesting around anxiety. So she started talking about like classic experiments around stress, basically where people, like where researchers were taking people to do like uh, concentration tasks like puzzles or problem solving. And then while they were doing it, they would blast sound and loud noise in there. So distraction. So what else, what else happens though, when you're doing something, you're concentrating and then it's like, like what happens to your body? Um, tense, tense, your blood pressure goes up, your heart rate goes faster. So that's anxiety, right? Right. Because that's really what happens. Well, here's the coolest thing. What the researchers did is they realized that that people were becoming so anxious during these research studies that they their heart rate was racing and their blood pressure climbed so much that they were kind of giving up, mm-hmm. you know, while they were trying to do these concentration tasks. And again, that in itself is good research information, right? Yeah. But they didn't want them to give up. So what they said to them was, listen, if this these distractions are become too much, here's a button you can push. And we'll stop doing it. Hmm. Okay? So here's the coolest part of the research. They told them, if it gets too much, here's a button. And everybody became really relieved. And nobody used the button. But their heart rate decreased. Interesting. So what that means is that if you tell somebody there is an out and there is an option and that you are always available to them, they are, I'm not saying no one will ever use it because obviously there's times that people do. It just in this research, nobody used the button. Correct. People don't always need the button. They just need to know the button is available. Got it. Make sense? It does. Now, the person that Sheryl Sandberg wrote this book with, his name is Adam Grant, and many of you may know him. He also, he's a researcher and he's written several books and I can't come up with the names right now. But he told the story in this book about how he had a student in his class. He's a, he's a college teacher too. And that he, this, this kid came into class and, and seemed a little anxious and at one point came to visit Adam and said, you know, I need some support. I need an internship. I need something to keep me busy. I'm finding that I'm really anxious and I need something to keep me busy. And Adam was kind of helpful, but kind of passive and not that helpful. And unfortunately, this kid took his life eventually. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean it was Adam Grant's fault by any means, but he looks back on that and learned something. He was like, I could have offered more Mm -hmm. in that moment. I didn't have anything to give him, so I was just kind of like, I don't have anything. Sorry. But he's like, I felt as if that taught me that I'm going to let all my students know that I'm available no matter what. Mm. Here's my phone number. Here's my email. And I've also done similar things like that with um, girls I've worked with, with clients I've had, where I've said, listen, just email me. Mm. Or people at the conference or people that we meet where I'm like, email me. Correct. Interestingly, they don't always do it. Or rarely do. They rarely do. Every now and again, they will. But them knowing that they can... Is a big deal. Is helpful yeah. to them and, and to me because yeah. I feel like we've made a connection. So I think I, I want to bring this into parenting. Okay. We don't often give our kids those release valves, those buttons to push. We often say either do that or nothing mm-hmm. or either finish that or consequence or if you don't show up, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And there's no like, if you can't get it done... If you're anxious about this, if there's a struggle, if you're not sure what I mean, just push the button. Just call me. And again, I'm using push the button as a metaphor. Just let me know. And there'll be no consequence. Or then we can get out of it. Or like, for example, you know, we talked with Charlie Rogers last week on the show. And thank you, everybody, who's emailing us about that show. Yeah, it's a good one. I was telling Todd, I re-listened to it. It really, he really is compelling. Mm -hmm. I would use that word. Um, to listen to because it's a great show. So for those of you who haven't listened to the Charlie Rogers episode from last week, listen to it. Um, but he – now, why did I bring up Charlie? What was my intention of bringing that up? Oh, I know. Because he talked about how when he was ready to get out of his sport, he was playing lacrosse and he was playing at a pretty high level and 
travel team. And he came to his parents and he said, I don't think I want to do this anymore. He pushed the button, yeah. right? He was like, this is anxiety provoking. I need I need a break. They said, okay. Mm-hmm. And that was, he, he was able to decrease that anxiety. Right. Now, we kids can also come to us and say, now he decided to leave lacrosse, but there's some kids who just want to know that if they wanted to go, they can. Do you know what I mean, Todd? I have an extreme example, and okay. it's a parenting example, and okay. you might have to help me with it. Our, okay. f- our friend Deepak Chopra yes. had a bunch of kids or three kids or two uh-huh. kids, don't know how many kids, but he said something that was very radical, and I don't even think I would subscribe to this, but this is what he said to his kids. Don't ever worry about taking care of yourself financially because I'm successful and rich and you will always be taken care of. Interesting. Now that is a recipe for complacent children and, you know, silver spoon and never want to be driven to anything. So we're told. So we're told. And what ended up happening was, and like, I think the example is one of his sons loved to draw and loved to read comic books and all that. He wasn't as interested in the academic. Correct. And Deepak, I don't know what Deepak said, but basically what ended up happening is this person ended up making a comic book company as a result of it. And his kids are all quote unquote traditionally successful. Like they earn a living doing something. is a writer. Yeah. And, and, Mm -hmm. but- my goodness, most parents would just scream at that advice. Like right. you are just teaching complacency. They're never going to have any grit, any yes. drive. And yet if, and, and I, I apologize because I don't know all the details and all that, but that was a story that I either read or listened to from Deepak or from somebody else. And his kids turned out quite well. And I think it's all about presentation because the way that you said it made it sound very silver spoony. Correct. But I think what he said is take away the fear of failing mm-hmm. because the truth is in our family, you will always have support. Yeah. And so take away that fear of having to like, you know, dig your nails in and claw your way somewhere and just figure out what you love. Right. Now, not everybody has that option. Like he he was honest in saying we are financially successful, so right. you're not going to really have that issue. Um, but are there ways that even if we have to tell our kids, listen, we cannot support yeah. you financially, you are going to need to work. Is there a way that we can let them know that if they are struggling, that that button can be pushed and that we can support them? Or that if they are feeling those extreme levels of anxiety, mm-hmm. that there is always a button. That button may be someone else's help. Correct. That button may be um, you know, taking a, a, a month off. It could be um, you know, getting tutoring. Mm-hmm. It could be like the button is many things, but I think what people don't do well under is threat. Mm-hmm. I think fear. When fear and threat, you know, threat is a version of fear, right? Mm-hmm. If you feel that you are under threat or you are being threatened, your brain has a difficult time being creative and seeing things in true form. Meaning, we talked about this at Women's Circle last week, if your brain is in fear, it's in reptilian mode. And it's it's like not all um, synapses are firing, if you know what I mean. There's only this very small part of your brain that is actually functioning and, and it's very focused on fight or flight. And the front of your brain literally shuts down. Shuts down. The prefrontal cortex, it's not even being utilized yeah. when you're in that deep threat fear. Yeah. If that fear can be decreased through some sort of button, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's okay or you're going to be okay or practice mindfulness or breathe, there's many different buttons. The prefrontal cortex can, I always kind of visualize like, you know how people put a brain under a scanner and you can see how it lights up. It's almost like when you decrease that fear, either through getting support from someone else or your own self-awareness, the prefrontal cortex can actually turn on Mm -hmm. and then there's all sorts of possibilities available to you because what the prefrontal cortex does is it organizes, it rationalizes, it conceptualizes, and it can actually like say, okay, there's hope in there, right? And so you can see things differently. But we have been made to believe that keeping our children under fear, threat, or duress is somehow going to promote their willingness to succeed or their willingness to do to work harder, and it's actually the other way around. Right, and you've got to live. It takes a long-term thinking approach. Yes. Versus. Wait, what does that mean? It takes the long-term thinking approach. Explain to me that. Well, it's easier to threaten and fear because, from a behavioral modification standpoint, yeah, you can get your kid to 
jump up and perform and do whatever you want. In that moment. In that right. moment. Yes. Whereas this takes a little bit of trust. Got it. You're saying this is the long-term Correct. thinking. Perfect. Yes. So this way of thinking is how, you know, like Todd said, you can threaten them enough that they may react right then because they want to get away from that feeling and of fear. And the next question we always ask is at what expense? Correct. What does that lead to next? Yeah. You know, um, and these are the the decisions we have to make as parents is is our goal to tell our kids to tap dance and watch them tap dance because we told them to, or is our goal to connect with our kids and help them find tools and buttons and release valves so they can monitor their own lives? Mm-hmm. And can we be one of those release valves? Right. Can we be someone they go to? I had a, someone email me today, and I'm not going to use her name, and she'll she'll know who she is if she hears this, but she emailed me about a conversation she had with her son about sex. Mm. He was really nervous about something, and he's 15 years old, and he needed some help and support with something, and he came to his mom. Great. And his mom felt really good about what she said to him. Like She talked to him. She was light about it. She said things about, why do you want to have sex? And she really opened that door, and they had a great conversation. But then afterwards, she emailed me because she's like, Kathy, I feel like I'm like going against what I should do because... And what she's saying is, I feel like I'm going against what this culture has, has taught, taught me, me to do. Which is, if a kid comes to you about sex, you say, no, you're not old enough. You can't. Right. La, la, la. And I'm not saying... She didn't say, yes, go do it. She said, talk Let's to have me a discussion. about it. Well, right. it's like discussion, not discipline. I mean, that's all we ever talk about whenever we present to people is the, the goal in any type of situation like that with our kids is to openly discuss it. If if you have a punishment or a you know the character of the stick, that's the behavior modification perspective. That's all short term. But if you can have a discussion where you explore with your kid of what are the ramifications and what happens, you know, it's the e- the, the easy parenting thing is no, you're too young to want to add. Let's not have this conversation. No, yeah, talk to me when you're eighteen. Yes. Forget about it. The kid's going to go figure something else out. That's right. Without your help. Exactly. And the help that he gets is going to be a lot worse. Yes. Because he's going to learn it from TV or his friends or the internet or whatever. And that's always the question that people ask us is, how do I know when my kid is ready? Well, if they're asking you questions, they're ready. And I don't mean ready for sex, but ready to have the conversation. Right. They're, if they're coming to you, then they have told you, I'm ready to have this conversation. If the question is asked and she felt good in the moment having the conversation, but then what happens is that's present time. And then when we get away from the conversation, that's when our mind takes over. Yeah. So she's, that's where she is. Yeah. Her second, like, oh my God, what did I just do? Yes. And she said, I'm, I just need to know that th- this feeling that I had was on the right track. It's and like I was- Brene talking about her vulnerability hangover. Yes. Remember she just talked about, she poured her heart out on that Ted talk. And the next day she's like, oh my God, what did I just do? There's millions of people that just saw all of my blemishes. I'm not a perfect person. So it sounds like this woman who uh, emailed your, um, she did what she thought was right. And it sounds like she did it the right way, but then she's like, oh my God, what did I just do? Correct. And and I told her, I said, good job, mama. You had the conversation. You've opened the door. He now knows he can come to you. You made him feel supported. You gave him information he needed. What could be better? And not only that, but we know research-wise that the more information kids, teens, adults have about sex, sex and sexuality, the more likely they are to make positive choices for themselves, meaning choices that are self-aware and that are, you know in relationship with others, meaning they're kinder to people, they um, are more thoughtful about if they want to partner, who they want to partner with. So information is not consent. Information is offering them an opportunity to make the best choice. So for those of you who have those conversations and then walk away and say, maybe I should have done that differently. If you in the moment felt connected to your kid and they walked away and felt better, they felt like they were heard and seen and validated, you did it. Yep. If on the other side, if you if they came to you and you shut it down and you walked away feeling disconnected and they walked away being angry at you, come back to that conversation. Right. We think like, oh, I missed that opportunity. No, you didn't. Yeah. You can always go back. Always go back. You knock on the door and say, remember the other night when you asked me something? I did that poorly. Mm-hmm. Let me try that again. And for those of you who are somewhere in the middle where they come to you and you say, I don't know what to say right now, that's okay too. You can always say, 
that's such a good question that I need to sit on that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to come back to you when I feel like I have a well-conceptualized answer for you. And then you knock on their door and say, I'm ready. Well, I remember we shared on the show. Actually, you shared this. Um, the You were tired and the girls were doing their best to drive us nuts. Um <laughs> And you didn't react well in a way that you weren't very um, happy with yourself afterwards. And I think the next morning or the next afternoon or the next night, you went back and said, I didn't handle this well. We tend to think that when we screw up, because we always, all of us screw up from one time or another, we think, oh, it's such a missed opportunity. No, the opportunity is still there. You go back and say, I yelled at you when really it was about me not having enough to be compassionate and empathic, and I'm sorry, and I'll try to do better next time. Yeah, and and there was, and again, this is interesting because this brings in the taking responsibility thing that you were talking about while not being overly apologetic mm-hmm. because what you just described, I do that with the girls all the time. Yeah. That wasn't just one time. Right. That's like all the time where I'm like, oh, wait a second, I didn't handle that well. Let me come back. It's called being human with your kids, right? But I'm also not, oh, I'm a bad mom right. or, oh, that was so stupid of me. I'm not self-depreciating no. in front of them. I say last night when you came to me, I had no reserves left. I didn't have the ability to give you what you needed. Now I'm ready. I'm not even necessarily apologizing. It's more like I do, I do apologize. But in some situations, it's not that I did anything wrong. It's that I'm returning to the conversation because when they came to me, um, I couldn't give them something. And so instead of blaming them and saying, my kids need too much from me and my kids overwhelm me, it's like in this moment, I don't have what my kids need. When I And I take responsibility for that because I'm exhausted and it's been a long day. But when I have my reserves back, they're the first ones I'm going to. So real quick, just to summarize the pushing the button thing. So like, I think what you're saying, if I understand it, is just make sure your kids know that a button is available. And, yes. and in whatever shape or form that may take. Yes. Because I feel like somebody like, okay, how do I do that? What button? Like, we don't, right. we can't tell you what the button is. Well, I can name a few just so you okay. can feel better about it. Your kid comes to you with anxiety and they, they say, I'm very anxious about something about schoolwork, whatever it may be. Here are the options. Here's the buttons. Do you feel like you need support where you need something like a tutor? Do you feel like maybe this class level, you know, AP honors all that crapola mm-hmm. that our kids have to, you know, that we're, we become so focused on. Right. Maybe that's not the right placement for them. Right. And so do they need a different class that fits their needs a little bit better? Um, maybe it's... Do you feel overwhelmed enough that a therapist or a coach would be helpful to you? Do you feel overwhelmed enough that um, maybe there's another activity that is too much for you? The reason I want to list all these is because it's not about saying, okay, then this doesn't work. It's about offering buttons so they know there's release valves available everywhere. And what you're saying is most of the time, the the fact that you make sure that they know that these buttons exist odds are they're probably not going to push any of those buttons. Correct. But the fact that they they know that those buttons are there will help reduce their anxiety. I'll give you an example, you know, for you guys that, again, it's kind of similar. So I was just reading something Tara Moore wrote the other day. She, you know, wrote Playing Big, um, and I really like her work. And she was talking about how she was presenting the other day, or last year, and she was told that, a person that she respects uh, highly, uh, someone that she really respects and that she looks up to is going to be in the audience. Mm -hmm. And she felt this extreme amount of anxiety. And so when she got up on stage, she felt like she did not present the way that she wanted Mm -hmm. to. She did not, you know, she felt so much anxiety because this person was in the audience that she didn't show up as herself. Okay. Come to find out when she was done with her presentation, that person never showed up. So they weren't even in the audience. Now, how does that relate to the button? If we feel overwhelmed or anxious about something, we perform differently. Where if we could know that there really is no threat there, right. that there that there's always a different way, that it really isn't that big of a deal, that there's always a release valve available, we perform better. Yeah. And when I say perform, we show up better, we have less anxiety, we're kinder to people, we like, you know... My daughter's in their their work, their their homework, and their you know JC's in the middle of writing some big paper right now, and she actually said last night, I I really loved this because this isn't always the case. I said, have you started you know writing this narrative yet? And she goes, no, but I'm so excited to go up and do it. And I said, what do you mean you're excited? And she had like put all these pieces together where she was like ready to bring it together Uh. into a story, and. 
a lot of that, I think, and again, she would, I, she'd have to speak for herself, is she doesn't feel that writing this narrative is the end-all be-all of, of her life. She doesn't feel like if she doesn't do it well, then she's not going to get money from us mm. or she's not going to get into college someday. Right. There's a joy. All the carrots and sticks that we parents sometimes put on our kids' grades. They're not there. Yeah. She's just excited to write this narrative because she's done so much work. Does she feel that way all the time? No. This is. I'm not saying, look at how much my kid loves homework. This was just an example where I really... And I didn't even like comment on it. I didn't get all deep with it. I just enjoyed her saying that. So Sweetie, it's kind of like when I clean out the garage. Okay. We don't need the... You know, there's just... Uh, there's stuff everywhere. There's some like kind of weird dad high I get from cleaning out the garage. But if you ever clean out the garage or your bedroom or your junk drawer, like the first... 75% of the time is just kind of moving stuff around and kind of organizing and throwing stuff away and moving things over. But like the last 10 minutes is when you like sweep it out and you get to see a nice open garage. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. It's, that's like the button? Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's the button. I don't know if it has anything to do with the button. It has to do with JC put all these pieces together yes. for her paper. Yes. And then she was ready to ready use to it. Ready to actually put it all together. It's like when I sweep out the garage. But- if she viewed grades as something she had to do or she'd be in trouble or that her teachers would only like her if she did a certain way or she'd only be commended or she would only – her life would be happy depending on this paper, do you think she'd be excited to go write that paper? Right. There'd be a lot of pressure around that paper versus actually writing something from the heart. You know what I mean? Like this is enjoyable. And and it depends on – again, I'm using this as an example in her life, not overall because some – People, it'd be English is not their thing no matter what. And, you know, it depends on your kid or you for that matter. But there's this thing that I love to do when, like, the girls are having a tough day where I just say, well, once you're done with school, you come home and you're done. Like, there's nothing else you need to do. Like, the release valve is coming. Right. Rather than, I think what we do instead, like, what? so what's the, the opposite? Our kids will say, well, I have a lot of homework and I'm overwhelmed. And we'll be like, well, you got to do it. Yeah. You better get it done or you should stay off your phone then. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you'd study harder, we basically add insult to injury. Yeah, rather than salt in the wound. Instead of, and we somehow think that empowers them. Yeah. And actually that disempowers them. That is, the, then they are the person in the study feeling threatened while there's loud sounds going on. And they feel that there's no release button or button to push, even though they probably wouldn't even use the button. They need to know well, that there's I, an out. And I don't know if this is right or not, but I'll be like, okay, so you have a hard test coming up and you don't feel like you're going to do well on it. What's the worst thing that happens? I get a bad grade. Okay. Is that, if that's the worst thing that can happen in the grand scheme of life, that doesn't mean that you can... You know, just say, oh, well, then I don't need to study. No, use this experience yep. and use it for next time. So you, but like to put all the eggs in one basket, like, oh, I must, I must get an A on this test. Like, no, it's a test. It's not that you, you lose a game, a basketball game in the championship, whatever, that things happen. That's I mean, right. it's more like keeping it in perspective. And we tend to, you know, it's funny, we went to JC's lacrosse game. And I don't know, this is kind of off subject, but something about lacrosse, at least little cross that we go to none of the parents are screaming at their kids yeah but why and why is that we don't know if somebody and else, i mean that in a good way right. like it's good we're very right. quiet everybody's quiet and maybe it's because most of us don't understand lacrosse or maybe it's because we can't find the ball because the ball is small but in a, on a soccer field and i was you know my daughter's played soccer for a while parents are crazy i mean most of them are crazy with enthusiasm like kick that ball get it in the goal then you got the crazy ones who start screaming at their kids or the or the opponents of the uh, you know the the opponents of their kids team uh but but in lacrosse it's weird um everybody's just kind of chill yeah. and soccer the parents are like kick it kick it like it's such an interesting thing and i'm talking about like younger soccer like six years old or 10 years old or whatever like, you really think you're helping by telling your kid to kick the ball? Yeah. They know. They got that. They know they're supposed to kick the ball. But yet we say, kick it, kick it. Like, what is up with that? Well, and Todd and I were kind of, we were talking about that at the game. We were acting out like a six-year-old, if no one was yelling, kick it, kick it, would they really stop yeah, and stop like, kicking? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. I'm supposed <laughs> to kick this ball. Anyways. Um, I wanted to say one more thing as I was, this is, you know, we're kind of like, I think you guys understand the study um, that... 
basically to reduce anxiety, let me just make this very clear so everybody understands. The study of the button is to reduce anxiety. Um, the researchers made sure that people knew that they could press a button to make it stop. And this showed up as, you know, the this is basically to let them know that they wouldn't be so irritated, that there was a way to make the irritation stop. And what they found is that none of their participants actually pressed the button, but their heart rate was decreased and they had less anxiety. So that's really the basis of what I was saying with the button. But I also thought this was interesting in connection to what Todd said with sports. I was listening to a podcast, NPR. Um, it was the producer of Veep. I don't know if you guys watch Veep. Um, Veep's pretty funny. Do you know that she's not president anymore this season? I did watch the first few episodes. You did? Yes, okay. Yes. Um, so anyway, he was talking about being in the business and talking about who they like to hire. Mm -hmm. And the people that they like to hire, you know, a lot of times we think that people like to hire high achievers and people who have met all the success. They like to hire people who have either been athletes oh, or who have been right. on teams mm -hmm. or who have been in like a startup that has failed mm -hmm. because they like to hire people who know that failure is normal. Correct. They like to hire people who know how to fail because people who know how to fail know how to get up. Mm -hmm. And I know, again, it's not exactly connected to the button thing. It's just more of that idea that our version of success is at, at like achieving at this certain level all the time is not the reality of life. And the people that we need doing work in the world are people who know how to fall down and get up. We don't need people who basically are who are so anxious that they never decrease the anxiety and live at that high level of anxiety all the time and think that's the way the world works. They have ways to decrease their anxiety and then they have ways to build themselves back up again. Mm -hmm. So I don't know... Do all these things interconnect? Todd? Well, I just Do wrote think? down like release valve and button, and I feel like they represent the same thing. Like yeah. a res and 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 I would also think of like a backup plan. Like, okay, if you fail the test, what's the backup plan? The backup plan is you failed the test, and you got to figure out how yes. to do better next time. So we need to have. I think we tend to make everything so important in our kids' lives. Yes. And none of it is really that important. What's most important is connection between two people, relationships, as you always say. So it's really about having a release valve, a button to press, a backup plan, because if you give them this backup plan, it just get, it, it, it won't take it away, but it will take the edge off of it a little bit. You know what I just realized hmm. as we were saying this is that as parents... To do that for our kids, we have to have a button too. Yeah. And I was just thinking about, as you were talking, the buttons that I have. When things get too anxiety-provoking for me, I have you, mm -hmm. meaning to like talk to or dump on or say, you know, let's go out to eat or someone that I can like go to who helps me decrease. You're, you're like a button for me. My friends are a button for me. Um, I have a therapist that I love who's a button for me. Um, my own family. Um, and also yeah. mindfulness is a button for me. Of course. Like realizing that sometimes when I'm like getting into that place of everything is so important, that meditation and breathing and realizing nothing except that tree in front of me is important, it's a button. Or you could either take a conscious breath in that moment, or you also know that the next morning at about 6.40 in the morning, you're going to have 20 minutes or whatever it is that you give yes. to yourself in the form of meditation. One of my buttons, sweetie, is when I'm really hungry, which I kind of am right now because I've just eaten a smoothie so far today, and we're at a restaurant, and I'm worried that my my burger or my whatever, my chicken sandwich isn't going to be enough. Uh -huh. My button is I know that my kids don't finish their food. So you can eat their food. So I can eat their food. There, That's it's like, the button. Instead of having the my stomach is bigger or what is it? The eyes are bigger than my stomach syndrome where mm -hmm. you order a million things. You're like, I'm just going to order this small thing. Right. I may not like it, but what I do, my my release valve, right. the, to decrease my anxiety that I won't be filled up, I know my kids won't eat their food. But the part about, um, so the button really represents uh, that I know that that food is there, but I really won't eat it. Yes. I usually eat it. Yeah. Because it's good. So you defy this research I and do. you actually I'm push the button. I am exceptional. Well, and I think the research it drives the point home, but I don't think it's wrong to use the button. Like right. in no way am I saying- No, it's oh, gotta be an honest button that yes. can help. 
Yes. Like the, the research is like, oh, you can say it because they won't use it. No. If, if I'm telling my students you can email me, I better be prepared that they may email or me. Or if you offer your kid who's struggling with math the opportunity to have an after-school tutor once a week, you be prepared to have an after-school tutor once a week. Yes. Like it's not just BS. You got to be straight with them. Right. This be- is what we can do. Because I bet there's a percentage of that always do use the button. And so we have to, you know, take that into account. But I guess, you know, the summary is, is that if we are going to be a button or offer buttons to our kids or point out buttons for them, we as adults have to know what our, what our release valves Role are model too. of the behavior that we want to create in our children. Mm-hmm. So uh, our two partners is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, our other two partners, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life. Her website is chirotree.com and mention ZPR and they'll give you a complete initial chiropractic exam and x-rays uh, for only 27 smackers. So that's chirotree.com. And then Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. If you have a job coming up where you need some painting or remodeling, um, Jeremy's your man. Uh, he's a bald-headed beauty, and his website is avidco.net. And then also, I am going to be speaking at my Mankind Project Center on Tuesday, May 30th. The topic is going to be finding balance. It's open to uh, the public. So if you're interested, go to events uh, at zenparentingradio.com. And then um, also a quick plug for my coaching business. Guys, if you want to get from point A to point B, I can help you get there. Check out my website at toddadamscoaching.com. And I do have one thing that I'm going to mention, sure. even though I'm a little worried to do it because it might already be full. But I am offering a class here in Chicago on Wednesday or in Elmhurst, Wednesday, June 14th. It's next month. It is from four to six, and it's at Brewpoint Coffee um, here in town in Elmhurst, and it's for mothering your teen and tween. It's about helping them with their anxiety, um, talking to them about sexuality, and communicating with them so you can stay connected to them. The reason I'm leery about saying it is because there's a possibility it might be full, but but I I think I, I might pull a airport or what is it, an airline thing and overbook a little bit yeah because a lot of people tend to um at the last minute sometimes they can't come so anyway if you are interested in um attending that class that i'm offering um just go to zenparentingradio.com and click on events and you'll find it there or email me at uh kathy at zenparentingradio.com few movie lines ready okay just a bit outside he tried the corner and missed major league I, I had no idea you could milk a cat. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can milk anything with nipples. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Meet the parents. He's on life support. Doctors say he's got a 50-50 chance of living. Though there's only a 10% chance of that. Naked gun? Very good. I see you're drinking 1%. Is that because you think you're fat? <laughs> Because you're not. You could be drinking whole if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> That's Napoleon Dynamite. Todd and I were just at this thing at our kids' school, and all these kids make these little, like, what are they called? Like little paper mache dolls. Yeah. And one kid made a vote for Pedro doll. I, I was it. like, it's coming back. you got to watch that movie as a family. I know. Looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> That's office space. The last one. No, but... Come here, come here. No, but hurry up. The loons. The loons. They're welcoming us back. I don't hear a thing. I want to go to On Golden Pond. Yeah. I, where's our Golden Pond? I don't know. I like that the I want to go somewhere where the loons welcome me back. Yeah. I love that movie. That's like 35 years old, that movie. I know. Movie's old. I think I'd watch that with a different lens now. For sure. I'm looking at, I would look at, I looked at it through the kids' eyes, and now I look at it through Jane as Fonda's Henry Fonda. No, Henry Fonda and Catherine, what's her name? Hepburn? Hepburn. Kate Hepburn. Yeah. <laughs> you I'll, and Kate? I want to grow old with you and live on, gold, on Golden Pond, sweetheart. I do too, but do you think we are where they are? Because they're like no, in there. No, but I aspire to be. I hope I'm not as grumpy as Norman was. Yeah, he was a bit of a curmudgeon. He was a curmudgeon. An old poo. Isn't you, that what she oh, called him? You old poo. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly right. All right, so you crazy kids, uh, thanks for uh, staying with us. It's kind of a long one, but that's all right. And, um, you know, 
What? Keep trucking, I guess. You got anything, sweetie? Uh, that's it. I just hope you have a really beautiful week. Yeah, me too. Beautiful week. That'd be awesome. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio... They are. Consider leaving us a review on iTunes. We love them. This helps people find us, or you can just tell a friend about our show. Even better, word of mouth, right? Right. Todd and I, we do our speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or an organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. We love speaking to groups. Hey. Hey now. Guess what? Next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. Sweet. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you like reading awesome parenting books, read Kathy. She's got three of them. And the way to find out about them is go to zenparentingradio.com and click on the store. Thank you. You're welcome. Award-winning, I might add. I know. So you coach guys. I love coaching guys. And you're good at it. I do it on Skype, face-to-face, and even on the phone. And we talk about uh, parenting, uh, relationships, finance, career, work-life balance. It's awesome. So first session's free. If you're interested, go to toddadamscoaching.com. Great. And if you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, I promise. Yeah. But we get a small commission from Amazon. It's just an easy way of making money. And you, you, you're you going to buy from Amazon anyway, so you might as well go through our homepage. All right. Right-hand side, Amazon link. Great. Great. <laughs> hey, and thanks for being such an awesome listener, you know? <laughs> sponsors. Oh, yeah. Um, I also want to thank our two amazing partners, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Company, Painting and Remodeling, avidco.net, and Dr. Kelly's at chirotree.com. Thank you so much for all your love and support. Keep on trucking. Sweetie, Case, say keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. I say it better. I know. That's all right. Keep trucking. Adios.